Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM at Crosstown. I'm Emily Trenum, the host. And today we're going to be talking about Liberty Park, which is the amazing new development that's happening on the fairgrounds property right in the center of the city. And I've got two guests, people that I've known for many years and I'm happy to have, but have never been on the show before. So I'm happy to have them. Um, Ashley Cash, who's the relatively new director of the Division of Housing Community Development for the City of Memphis, and then Mary Claire Boris, who is the Administrator of Strategic Initiatives for the Division of Housing Community Development. I'm only going to say those ones because they're all a mouthful. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So um, I just wanted to start off by um, just talking for a few, you know, the fairgrounds has such interesting history and I'm just kind of a a little bit of a historic preservation buff and um, just wanted to talk just for us to chat for a minute about some of the interesting history of the fairgrounds because, you know, it was a racetrack and there was a giant swimming pool there, which I have a postcard of. And I just don't think a lot of people know about all the different uses it's had over the years. Yeah, Emily, I'll kick it off. Um, and, and as you said, my tenure is relatively short. I'm excited to have joined uh, uh, HCB, I think it was May or so back in the summer, early part of the summer. Um, so I'm not as close to the history as Mayor Clary is here, but but I certainly can talk about. Uh, so first, you'll hear us talk a lot about Liberty Park throughout the discussion. We have rebranded uh, Fairgrounds to Liberty Park. And so we want to just really encourage people to use that terminology and, and know where we're talking about, you know, when we say Liberty Park. Um, I know I'm a Memphian through and through, grew up here. And so I remember uh, Liberty Land, remember the Mid-South Fair used to be there. Um, remember, I think, I don't think I dreamt this. I believe wet wet water and wheels or wild water and there's some water, water something another um, that used to take place there. And so- That's a new one to me. Yeah, just really thinking about the, um, the exciting place where uh, back in the day, at least during my childhood, is where families would go to have outlets to take their kids somewhere um, to kind of walk around and see. And, and part of it was uh, stationary, but part of it could be transformed throughout the year to other kinds of festivals. And so I think it's exciting. Um, who knew that in the future it would be a youth sports complex? But it is exciting that it's still keeping that uh, child and, and family flair. And with that, I'll let Mary Claire talk about the real history um, that's just my anecdotal history of what I um, what I remember of the Liberty Park site. I mean, didn't the city acquire it in the 19th century for the city? I mean, uh, close. Yeah, we. Um, so it started off as a racetrack. It was owned by the Memphis Jockey Club. Um, before that, it was actually part of the Dederick Plantation, uh, which a lot of people I think may know. Uh, is where the land came from that became Orange Mound. Uh, 
but yeah, the, the, they had the wonderful racetrack there, uh, ran all sorts of derbies. I mean, at one point, you know, they rivaled the Kentucky Derby, but uh, that changes in the law, changes in people's practices, uh, kind of led to the downfall of the racetrack. And in 1912, the city bought the land uh, from the Memphis Jockey Club and brought in architect George Kessler, who also designed Overton Park, uh, to reimagine it as Montgomery Park. But uh, I have to add that his vision, unlike Overton Park, his vision was never fully uh, realized in Montgomery Park. But was there anything left from his era? I mean, not to digress too much, but are any of the buildings like the the Creative Arts Building, are any of those from that era? No, there are no structures left from his vision. Okay, that's too <laughs> and bad. And the layout uh, no longer resembles his vision. So it's okay. all, what little there was has all been okay. erased. All right, we'll go on. I just um, wanted to ask. Yeah, but the site has really changed many times uh, over the centuries. Um you know, and it and it really reflects the history of Memphis in the Mid South. The Mississippi River flood victims were housed on site in the 20s and 30s. Uh, the Army was stationed there in World War One and World War Two. Um, there was a casino with a grand ballroom for big bands in the 30s and 40s. And then, as big bands died out, that actually became the very first basketball arena on the site. In fact, it was demolished to make way for the Coliseum as those and the, the Coliseum and the stadium were being built in the mid 60s. So Liberty Park is a site that has reinvented itself every couple of decades. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And and I think sort of going back to the point both of you made is that the city acquired it for public use yeah. and it's remained, you know, it's, it's throughout it's been a variety of you know, recreational entertainment amenities for the community, but it's, that's been sort of the through line um, for, for the whole time. So, um, so I guess the, the site itself is, you know, people are familiar with, you know, the existing institutions that are there that are going to stay like the croc and the children's museum um, the football stadium, of course, Coliseum will remain. I, I think even though it's, we can talk about that if we have time, even though I don't think it's part of the current phase of work, it's going to remain. And, um, but what's the, um, I guess, well, did, first of all, did I leave anybody out when I was sort of taking off those? Oh, well, I guess Fairview, well, Chris is not called Fairview anymore. Maxine, St Maxine Smith slash, um, there's two schools in there, right? And I'm forgetting the second Middle one. Middle College High School. Middle College High, yes. So, but, I, but as I tick those off, did I leave any of the major sort of institutional structures off? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I, I think I followed most of what you said, Emily, in terms of the, the places. I may just repeat a couple um, in the event that you missed them. Obviously, Children's Museum, a huge draw for our city um, and for the surrounding region. Um, the Croc Center, which is great. Uh, my daughter has gone there for a couple of summer camps and she loves it. And uh, what they do for fitness and community is is really uh, just key and, and um, world class and great for our Memphis community. I'd say uh, a couple of assets that aren't necessarily buildings, but that we really think about um, is the Tiger Lane. So it's not a building, but it's a um, an event space that opened up in 2010 and 
really just um, bringing the site together. So that was kind of one of the first key elements that you start to see some change in the Liberty Park area. But what we hope to do throughout the redevelopment, obviously the sports center um, will be in the southern part of the site, but we hope that the holistic redevelopment of the campus really creates a space that people want to be at, that it's activated um, Monday through Sunday. Uh, we know that it'll be exciting and booming on the weekends, but also just thinking about that day to day. How do we make sure that all of those community assets or citywide assets fit into one place and um, are um, uh uh, cohesively designed, if that makes sense. So making sure that we're all working together, that you know that you're in Liberty Park and um, you know what's going on there, you know how to get to one place or the other. All of that is uh, really exciting and thinking about what's there today, today and how we can support and add on to that as we go into the future. Well, that's interesting, the whole idea of like knitting the campus together. Um, will there be... Um, well, and maybe this is, I shouldn't ask this because it's kind of, I don't want to go into much of a rabbit hole, but I'm just sort of thinking all those buildings, all those institutions sort of front on the main boulevards, you know, and, and knitting them together. Is there a way that they can, um, you know, have back doors or I don't know what my question is, but, you know, I'm sort of thinking about if you're like walking between them right. at, on the campus, um, that that can be a challenge because they're all oriented Um yeah, yeah, on, the, on major their, streets. their street or their parking lot. Yeah, I think I think our biggest opportunity there, um, and Mary Claire, you may have some thoughts as well. I think our biggest opportunity there is really going to be with the mixed use development and with the sports center site, and really just thinking about the um, the pedestrian circulation within those. So how we're encouraging people to get from one place to another within the new facilities. As a part of that, we'll also be looking at um, how these other places connect now. You know, does it make sense for them to have a, a side door or back door? I don't know. I couldn't tell you today. But over time, it may start to be a conversation and a discussion um, to have. Mayor Claire, I don't know if you have anything else to add. No, yeah, I'll, I'll say that um, the new sports center is going to open towards the interior of the campus. It's going to face early Maxwell Boulevard. Of course, we have um, the stadium faces uh, internally the way most people actually access it. Um, and, you know, with uh, some of the existing buildings, uh, Creative Arts and Pipkin buildings actually both face, all face into campus. So it, it's really just kind of the big three of Croc, uh, the schools and the Children's Museum that face the exterior. But, you know, Children's Museum, actually, when they added the carousel, uh, some people may know they, they helped restore the Denzel carousel that had stood where we're building the sports center, you know, starting in like the teens, the 19 teens. Um, and when they built that and added that grand pavilion, they shifted their door closer to the interior of the campus. Um, and just purely coincidentally, that was decided before we said, hey, we're going to put a hotel and some restaurants right near your, your new door. So that's uh, was a happy coincidence. Well, I love the idea of, like I said, knitting that whole thing together so it's really sort of, it is sort of a campus and not just a collection of individual places. So um, so let's talk about, I mean, the I think probably most people know that, um, that the Liberty Park is going to be, you know, a youth sports complex, but I'm kind of curious about, like, you know, it when, I mean, 
I feel like the fairgrounds was such an op- was such an opportunity, and it could have been a lot of things. Um, I know there was an intention to keep it, you know, accessible for the public, but it could have been a lot of things. And so, how was the decision? And I, Ashley, this I know this is before your time in Mary Claire. I don't know whether it was enough, but how was it that decision? Sort of, what was how was the community engaged? And I mean, I think personally, I think it's a great idea, but but someone. Maybe it was, you know, Robert Lipscomb's idea. I don't even remember. But where did that germ come from? And then how did it get lifted up to be the ultimate decision for how the the Liberty Park was going to sure. be used? Yeah, I can I can start talking a little bit about redevelopment and Mary Claire, if you want to um, cover anything I missed. And of course, talk about the youth sports. That will be awesome. Um, so so we talked about redeveloping our ideas um, started being generated about redeveloping the fairgrounds around 2005. Um, there was a Blue Ribbon Committee that was appointed by Harrington and uh, Cato Johnson that talked about the need for different facilities for youth sports around the city in, um, in general. And so there was a site plan, you know, that was changed a couple of times over the years. And like many, um, many community projects or city projects, they go through different iterations where everybody agrees on this. And so one person sees it and it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. So let's, let's change this. We've all been there, done Yes, that. absolutely. And so through that, there was a lot of community engagement. I think, Emily, what you'll find if you talk to people in and around the areas that um, there was a period of time where uh, you couldn't go a couple of months without having a community meeting on what to do with the fairgrounds. What are we going to do? Here's what we're proposing. Okay, you get some pushback from community, kind of change it around. So um, we we stayed in that loop for a while. Uh, around 2017, when Mayor Strickland, uh, or after Mayor Strickland was elected, he tasked um, my predecessor, Paul Young, with starting this effort over and really thinking intentionally about how we can do something um, what could we do? Um, and not to say that this is this was the quick and easy, but let's really be serious about doing it. Let's make sure we stick to it, stay forward. Uh, and so from there, uh, that's when we started with the tourism development zone. And now just kind of stop there, Mayor Claire, if you want to pick up any um, any kind of redevelopment history and talk about the Youth Sports Center, that would be awesome. Sure. So um, Liberty Park and the structures that we're adding to there, this is part of the very last tourism development zone that's being allowed under Tennessee state law. And, and tell people what that is. I mean, I'm familiar with it, but it is a little bit, I won't ring the bell, but um, oh, but, just, but just um, just remind people what a tourist development zone is. Sure. So a tourism development zone is, is really, it's a way to fund the construction of certain uh, tourism projects. So the idea is that you're going to build this thing, this attraction that will attract tourists, and it could be a sports center, a convention center, a sports stadium, uh, an amusement park, anything that, that will attract tourists. And then you get to designate a three-mile area around the site, and as those tourists come, they're spending money on the site, you know, at your attraction, but they're also spending money elsewhere within that three-mile zone. And the increased sales taxes, so not the sales taxes that were being collected before, but the new sales taxes that are generated as a result of the tourism attraction, um, those get to be captured and used to pay off the bonds. And, you know, here in Tennessee, we have a 9.75% sales tax. 
Now, the vast majority of that normally would go to the state, but in a tourism development zone, we get to use not only the local portion, but also the state money. So instead of sending those dollars to Nashville, we get to keep them here and use them to pay off the construction bonds. So this is a special designation that the state gave to the site. And is it for 20 years or something? Is there is there a... It's actually 30 years. Okay. It's okay. 30 years. So it's a long time. Okay. So um, that, was, it, that was integral in making this... Um, you know, possible, really. Absolutely, because it means we get to use the money generated by the tourism to pay for the tourism. We don't have to use general operating revenues that would normally go to police or fire. Um, in fact, under the state law, these these TDZ dollars, as we call them, cannot be used for anything else but repaying the debt for the construction of the tourism asset. So, okay. Yeah, okay. You can't use it for any other city projects. Well, let me just pause for a second and just uh, remind everyone that they're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. And we're talking about Liberty Park with Ashley Cash and Mary Claire Boris. So I kind of, when I asked you to define that, I hope I didn't lose your train of thought, um, what you were saying. But I, w- I did want to uh, just tell people what that is, because I think that's important that that I do people think, why are we spending our tax dollars on these giant projects? Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some investments from local government, but in reality, the bulk of it is being funded by new money that's going to come in because pe- that people are going to spend. That's generalizing, but um, I think it's an important point. That's, that's exactly right. And like I said, this is the very last tourism development zone allowed under Tennessee state law. And we had to get it approved by the city council, the county commission, and the state building commission. So, um, you know, all of those are public meetings. And we held public meetings in advance of each of those public meetings. And we met with every possible stakeholder, the community groups, the community business associations, everybody in and, you know, from Orange Mound and Cooper Young and, and really tried to hear as many voices as we could as we refined uh, the plan for how we would reimagine Liberty Park. So remind us what the buildings, what the new buildings being built are. Sure. Well, the, the heart of this project is what we call the Memphis Sports and Events Center. Uh, it's a 227,000 square foot facility for indoor youth sports. And I think, you know, Emily, you asked earlier, why use sports? And and there's two primary reasons. Uh, number one, youth sports is a currently a $19 billion per year industry. And some experts wow. think it's going to grow, you know, to like 77 million within like less than 10 years. Um, so it's a huge industry. It's also been an industry that has seen very little impact from surrounding economic conditions. Uh, sports tour, youth sports tourism did not decline a single quarter during the Great Recession. And even during COVID, it's only been impacted because facilities have literally been closed for, for safety, right? So uh, there's not a question. Most families don't consider the money they spend on their kids use sports, you know, when they're serious, they don't consider that discretionary income. You know, that's not fun money. That's very important money. They think for their children's future. It's something you budget for. Right. Okay. And so the other reason is that, you know, we're a basketball and volleyball town and yet 
There is nowhere in this city where you can have even a small local tournament without being split between two or three locations. We're a volleyball Um, town. I didn't know that. We are. Yes, it is true. It is true. We are rapidly becoming, and in fact, the biggest hindrance to us becoming even a bigger player in volleyball is our lack of facilities. So, you know, right now there are some of the, um, uh, you know, the traveling teams, those, you know, advanced leagues, they're buying up warehouses and turning them into two, three, four court volleyball court facilities. Um, But our facility, the the Memphis Sports and Events Center in Liberty Park will be, will have two spaces connected by a central hallway. On one side, we've got permanent hard courts. That's eight basketball courts that can be switched up to be 16 volleyball courts. On the other side, we're going to have 75,000 square feet of column-free space, which can be configured a dozen different ways. It's big enough to hold another eight basketball courts, or you could bring in a temporary indoor track and have track and field events in there. So that's the flex space over there. That's the flex space that can be set up for any kind of mat sport, cheer, gymnastics, indoor, you know, fencing, pickleball, you name it, you could do it in that space. So are there other new buildings going in? I mean, not the the proposed hotel commercial, which I hope we'll have a minute to talk about, even though I know that's in the future. Not that, but in terms of the, the youth sports, are there other structures in addition to this one big one? No, that's the only new structure that's being built. But we're also... Um, we've talked about some of the historic structures on the site. We're also looking to um, repair and renovate the Creative Arts Building, uh, formerly known as the Women's Building. And some people may, some Memphis historians may know it's the third building on that spot to bear the name Women's Building uh, for showing, you know, arts and crafts and at the fairs and things like that. But the current building ha- has got a lot of deferred maintenance issues. So we'll be um, rehabbing that. We're also building a couple of soccer fields, you know, outside as part of the sports center. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the mixed use development that we'll be partnering with a private developer on. And what about the Pipkin building? A Pipkin building is actually uh, one of the busiest event spaces in the entire city of Memphis portfolio. I bet. Pre-pandemic, it saw about 200 days of use a year. Uh, We do a lot of food festivals in there, and it's also home of Memphis Roller Derby. And the flea market is there. And the flea market, yes. Well, and the funny thing about the Pipkin Building is it's really run down. You'd be surprised it would be so popular. Hopefully it's getting a facelift and a renovation. Uh, well, I think once we're done using it as a vaccination site, yes, it, it's going to get some spring cleaning. We're also hoping to do some some curb appeal makeover on that building. So I know there's uh, con- there's activity on the site now. What's the what's the timeline? I mean, and really, when it, when will when will we welcome the first volleyball tournaments? Sure. So the building is currently under crane, as we say in the construction industry. I don't Meaning, know what that means. <laughs> right, I'm ringing the bell. It means that um, we are literally using cranes, those big cranes, to stand up the steel skeleton okay. uh, right now. So we, you know, we're a couple of months into construction, and uh, the plan is for it to open in about a year. And so we're trying to get it open in time for uh, next year's basketball and volleyball season. So like a year, so early 2022? 
Uh, so uh, that'll be fall 2022. So okay. yeah, November. <laughs> okay. And, and um, are you, are there historic tax credits or anything like, cause with, I know the, some of those buildings are historic. Are there other funding sources? Those are primarily the t- the tourist development dollars that we talked about. Yeah. Overall, this is about $125 million project. Uh, the bulk of that $70 million is from the Tourism Development Zone bonds. Now, that includes all sorts of costs. It includes some repairs to the stadium that have already been made. It includes all the costs for financing and architecture and construction. Um, but uh, and so in addition to the $70 million from the, the bonds, uh, we also have $10 million from the Accelerate Memphis initiative, which I think a lot okay. of people you've probably talked about for with yeah, your the, the mayor's that. initiative to invest in neighborhoods. Yeah. Yes. And then the governor also kicked in $10 million specifically for the sports center. Okay. Okay. Well, that doesn't, I mean, this, yes, it's good for the state for us yeah. to have this here for sure. So um, I know the, the, you know, the more commercial aspects are someone in the future. You might, there might not be much to say about that, but there is going to be a hotel eventually, right? I mean, of course, there's so many families that travel for those tournaments. Right. It seems like yeah, a logical. Yeah, they have somewhere to sleep, right? Somewhere where they don't have to move too far. That is uh, totally a component of the the um, the campus, Emily. And so we're looking for a mixed-use development. Uh, we're really focusing on, like you said, the, the hotel piece so that we can capture those dollars for those families to uh, be able to stay uh, within walking distance of the where their children are playing. Um, also key to that is uh, food and beverage spaces. So what do you want um, more after you sit for eight hours to watch your uh, daughter play for, um, what, 30 minutes? A you cold beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> you want a stiff beer. And so we want to make sure the options are plentiful. So we're still working out the details um, uh, trying to uh, determine what the appropriate mix of those uses are. We know that there might be some niche retail, some family entertainment. And then we've also talked about uh, a multifamily component in a lot of different cities you will see where there's, um, well, right even here um, across from AutoZone or part of AutoZone, we've got multifamily around it. And so we know it's an attractive place for people to live. And so we're just thinking about all of those Um in a lot of these cases, the commercial and the, the the retail piece does wait to come until the sports center is built so that they have a built-in market as opposed to waiting for the market. And so um, we're working on that site plan, but right now we are great in the site. As Mayor Claire said, if you go out there, you'll see still up. You'll also see us uh, getting that site and that pad ready for that mix, mixed-use development. And we also hope to um, break ground on that development around this time next year. Okay. So parking. So when I go to the fairgrounds, um, I sadly associate it with acres and acres of surface parking that are hardly ever used. And it's, I mean, first of all, it's inefficient, but also it's just really ugly. And I know that the parking is very important to, um, you know, to the Memphis Tigers who have their games there. I know that um, actually the city's acquired some, like the Coke plan and has, a, but, but what's the, what's the plan to improve that, whether through, you know, parking garages or just aesthetic improvements or, or 
making it more part because if the if you have this beautiful connected campus and there's a sea of parking lots that's not going to be very you know attractive so i know you have a plan for that so what is it sure so uh you know uh, prior to starting this new phase of construction we could park about 7500 cars um within the fairgrounds um and now, as we're reimagining Liberty Park, we're, we're taking away about 3,000 of those spaces were on grassy areas. And so, and those are the areas, uh, Liberty Park, I mean, the, sorry, the Memphis Sports and Events Center being constructed where Liberty Land used to stand and the mixed use development, which is going up alongside, uh, alongside Central in between Maxine Smith Steam Academy and the Children's Museum. So we're taking away about 3,000. So that brings us down to about 4,500 paid parking spaces. Um, for the stadium. And that may sound like a lot, but remember that the uh, now Simmons Bank uh, Liberty Stadium yep. uh, holds almost 60,000 people. So 4,500 parking spaces is not very much. It still sounds like but, too many to me. <laughs> but um, so it's important to know, first off, that we actually use those parking lots for a lot of events. We do a lot of things outdoors. But I think the main thing that really makes them feel like an empty waste of space is the fact that we've only had eight to 10 really heavy use days on the campus a year, you know, yeah. for the football games. And that is the main thing that we're looking to change uh, with this development project. We want that campus to be very heavily used every single weekend, not just eight to 10. Now, we're not talking 60,000 visitors every weekend, but for example, with the Memphis Sports and Events Center, we do project about one to two million visitors a year. So, um, you know, when you have these tournaments and you've got all these kids, they'll be parking and expanding into those spaces. But, you know, we've talked earlier about what's crucial, we think, to the success of the of Liberty Park and making it feel like a great place both for tourists and for Memphians is to have it feel like a pedestrian oriented campus and we're working on that a lot so there's going to be uh, early Maxwell is going to stay the central street that cuts through the middle but it, it's getting a lot of work done you know redoing traffic signals to make sure that there's bike crossing and better pedestrian crossing um, going up and down the street, wherever there's a four foot wide sidewalk, we want an eight to 10 foot wide sidewalk, you know, narrow the street. We don't, we don't normally bring large volumes, right? So we don't, we don't need it to be a five lane road (laughs) through the middle of our campus. Yeah. There's a lot you can do to make, I mean, if you, if, if um, it, it does sound like the parking's going to be a lot more utilized, which yes. is great, but there's just a lot you can do, and 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 those kind of improvements aren't necessarily that expensive. No. Um, in the greater scheme of things, to make the whole, just to make it more, um, to make it feel more pedestrian or bike oriented, um, and, a lot more landscaping. We're yeah. going to be bringing okay. in very important public art, things like that, to really make it a fun place and a place where moms with little kids feel safe walking. Okay, okay, that's good. I'm happy to hear all that. So, last question, and this is a bonus question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask. So, um, so me and Mayor Claire fight about who gets to answer it. <laughs> right. So the um, so I think, and it's really about. I'm sort of curious as to what plans or at least future thoughts you have about connectivity to 
neighborhoods. Because people think of, you know, um, Orange Mound and and Fairgrounds is sort of sharing a boundary. But in reality, Beltline is even closer. A lot of people don't know Beltline, but it's kind of a small neighborhood immediately east of the whole Fairgrounds area. Very blighted. And um, of course, there's neighborhoods to the north. And But I'm just sort of curious, the, the neighborhoods, because I know you want people from those neighborhoods to come to this new complex to use the facilities when there aren't tournaments. And so so what are the, like I said, any, this may not be in the current budget, the current phase, but what are the, what are the ideas to, to better connect the people in those neighborhoods with this beautiful new amenity? If I may, I can jump in and Mayor Claire, then if you want to talk about any infrastructure improve or uh, proposed improvements. Um, but so, so that's exactly right. And we've talked about, you know, Mayor Claire mentioned the soccer fields. We see that really as a way for community members to be able to access them. Um, but one of the things we've talked about is, okay, by access, what do you, do you mean uh, cross a, a six-lane street, uh, go find the entrance to the gate? And so there are a lot of, um, we've thought about it, I should say, but we haven't spent a lot of detail about it. There are a lot of places and ways just to think about how do we improve connectivity? What are those right spots? If we are going to be encouraging on-street parking, how to make sure as people park on the street, they can get into um, the facility on on foot or on bike. And so we're considering a lot of different things. Uh, I think very little of that is in the current plan in terms of what it actually is, but we know it, at a certain point and over time, uh, we'll have to have that uh, conversation. And Mary Claire, you can certainly chime in here. Sure. There, there are some things that, that are not being done as part of this project, but are being done because of this project. So, you know, MATA is looking at their bus stops in the area and how do they best service uh, this site, both along Central and along East Parkway. It also offers them some opportunities, you know, looking for places where as they switch to electric buses that their buses can get a quick recharge. You know, it's kind of a very well centrally located for that. Um, you know, the biggest barrier for people for Orange Mound to to come to Liberty Park has always been the railroads, right? I mean, and the underpasses are right now a little scary. And they're, they're been a, scary. You know, it's been something that I've been hearing Mayor Strickland talk about pretty much every time we, we talk about community connectivity for, for Liberty Park. He always mentions those underpasses and, and how having... Uh, the city's uh, engineering department work with the railroad to improve that. And that is something that is actively uh, being worked on. Of course, you know, temper everyone's expectations because railroads are notoriously difficult to work with, but rest assured the effort is ongoing to make those, you know, lighter, brighter, more pedestrian oriented locations. Well, plus, I mean, Southern, even though parts of Southern had, had, you know, had a lane reduction. I was going to say road diet till I remembered. I probably would have to define that. Parts of Southern had a lane had lane reductions when the bike lanes went in, but people still really drive fast on Southern. So once you pop out of the um, pop out of the newly renovated, um, those little tunnels do need yeah. to be. You know, once you um, pop out of those, I mean, yeah, Southern's a busy street, so it does have sidewalks on both sides, but. Okay, that, I'll be interested to hear more about that because I know the neighborhoods have feel like they have a vested interest in what happens yeah. 
there. Absolutely. And and you're quite right that Beltline has been literally suffered, I don't know, 50 years maybe of disinvestment. And fl- flooding. There's flooding and, in Beltline. Flood- now flooding, we are active. The city's engineering department is actively working on um, some big improvements to reduce flooding in that neighborhood. Great. Um, so those, that's not, so like I said, there's some things that aren't part of this project, but they're happening because of this project. And we think that bringing more life to the fairgrounds is going to make Beltline a more desirable place to live. Uh, You know, we're going to be bringing jobs to the area that folks who live in Beltline can can have. And one of the things that we're going to be sure to try to work with partners, you know, private housing developers, nonprofit housing developers, to try to make sure that as housing stock is built in Beltline, that it continues to be an affordable quality, you know, neighborhood. We want to improve the quality without making it unaffordable uh, for the folks who live there. That's a that's definitely a priority for housing okay. and community development. That's great. So anything I didn't ask you, either of you, that you want to um, tell me that you think's important? No, I would I would just say I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Liberty Park. We're super excited about it, and I know people have heard about the plans um, under, you know, many iterations for years. And so to see the dirt moving and the steel going up, I'm excited. It's transforming the heart of the city. I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing it when it's, I don't have children, so I don't have, you know, won't have an opportunity to sit in the stands. Oh, absolutely. uh, (laughs) You will. We're going to be doing all kinds of events. That's the great thing about an indoor flex space. I mean, you're going to find all sorts of community programming that winds up happening. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be opportunities. No question. All right. Well, thanks, you two. So you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. And I've been talking to Ashley Cash, who's the director of the Division of Housing Community Development for the city of Memphis and Mary Claire Boris, who's the Administrator of Strategic Initiatives for HCD. So we were talking about Liberty Park, which is going up as we speak um, in the former fairgrounds location. And so Ashley and Mary Claire, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. You're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Have you checked out any of WYXR's other shows? You can see the whole program guide on our website at wyxr.org. And while you're there, please consider making a donation. We're a brand new station lifting up everything Memphis, and we need your support. But don't go away. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Welcome to part two of Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. For this part of the show, I'm joined by our regular commentator, Cole Bradley. You know, for Memphis Metropolis, I'm really lucky to have some regular great commentators. Charlie Santo, of course, is a urban planning expert. Austin Harrison, you know, affordable housing. And Cole is a, a trained anthropologist. Um, I mean, I think a lot of us think of who work in the community to think of ourselves as armchair anthropologists, but um, you're a professional anthropologist and really provide, you know, a unique perspective to some of the topics we cover. So I'm always happy to have you, Cole. 
Thanks. I'm always happy to be here. Our chats are always a good time. And your topics are so cool. I'm especially excited about today's topic. Well, you, I feel like sometimes you get some of, I think because you're an anthropologist, sometimes you're saved from some of the less technical topics. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. We just talked about the fluffy stuff, the people, right? Like the right. people, the community, the, the, the soft stuff. It's fine. Right. It's okay. Well, it's, it's soft science. It's fine. Right. No, well, you didn't have to do commentary <laughs> on land installment contracts. Which was uh, mercy, which is of course very important because it's you know form of predatory lending, but also somewhat technical. But today we know talk- what that uh, that speaks to your excellence as a host to know not to put me on those shows. <laughs> well, today we're talking about Liberty Park, and the first half of the show I had Ashley Cash and Mary Claire Boris from the Division of Housing and Community Development talking about Liberty Park, which is the new development that is going in on the former Mid-South Fairgrounds property. So Cole, I had a couple of things I wanted to sort of talk to you about that I thought you'd have some thoughts on. So I'm just going to jump in and then um, and then let you react. And then I'm sure you've got some other things you wanted to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. So the first thing is, and you and I have discussed this before, I think you and I both really it annoys us when places get rebranded, especially when there's, you know, there's a real estate development component and they're trying to make something they meaning, you know, the city or developer is trying to make something shiny and new. And so when I heard about the Liberty Park, the new name of Liberty Park, of course, I was my my gut, my initial reaction was. Okay, great. Another rebranding <laughs> of a legacy Memphis property. But, you know, after the talking to Mary Claire and Ashley and and then reading more about the history, I think it's great. You know, it hasn't been the Mid-South Fairgrounds that long. It was, um, you know, a park. And then it was, of course, part of the Diedrich Plantation. And uh, it was just, it, it hasn't been, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, same. I, you and I have talked about this. Both of us were like, really, really, guys, when we initially heard it, like, we have to rename things. You could just call it a fairground still or some, or even incorporate that in the name. You don't, Americans, man, we're so like easy to, to bulldoze over and rebuild, right? And to take a name right with it. And also when, you know, anytime that someone build something they just need to stick their name on it or to stick some corporation you know we've railed about this plenty but you're right after listening to the the earlier segment of the show today i definitely it's same exact feeling like uh okay this thing hasn't been the fairgrounds it wasn't liberty lamp for that long right it's been a ton of stuff i was so fascinated i had had no idea that it was a casino at one point, that flood victims were were housed there and that the army utilized it in World War. That stuff was fascinating, right? And so, no, like, and I think that really speaks to the beauty of the place, that it has changed so much uh, as the community has changed and as the need has changed, it has served. And so, no, I'm not, I'm still not really, truly nuts about the name Liberty Park, just because it sounds a little hokey, sounds a little like white picket fancy to me, but I do like the nod to Liberty Land, and I'm no longer upset that it is being renamed just as a general principle, right? 
Well, and I think it is a, I think it is a throwback to and a connection to the Liberty Land name. So I'm not mad about that because that's my childhood, and I know a lot of Memphians' childhood was spent there, um, and young adult teen years and whatnot were spent there, and so I'm not mad about that part at all. Yeah, I think I mentioned in the first half of the show that I've got some. Of course, I collect old Memphis postcards, and I've got a couple of really of great vintage postcards of Liberty Land of the entrance, but also have a, po- a at least one, if not more postcards of the racetrack. And so that land has a lot of history and yeah, I'm okay with it. So yeah, we'll make an exception to our no rebranding rule this time. Yeah. They've won us over thumbs up to Liberty Park. They've won both of us over. So the other thing that I w- was reflecting on is that, I know the last part of the show, I asked them about, you know, connecting to surrounding neighborhoods like the Beltline and Orange Mound. And it sounds like they, although it's that's not in the budget now, per se, their budget, they've re- given it quite a bit of thought and some things are underway already, like Matt is doing some work. There's some, something's underway to to build connectivity, but you know, that's not unique to Liberty Park. I've done some work over the years with Overton Park and Shelby Farms Park and these big regional parks. It's hard to connect to the, I mean, the, the, the fault is, oh, there's poor neighborhoods around there and it's not going to serve them, but it doesn't any neighborhood. When you've got these big regional parks, there's a lot of times surrounded by major streets. And it's very hard to build in the kind of connections that you need. So people who are on the other side of a busy street don't have to drive in to the facility because it's just um, difficult to get there. Yeah, I think, you know, and I, I don't think that this is news to anyone, but I think that connectivity to Orange Mountain in particular is going to be a challenge just by nature of the railroad track. It's not, I mean, that's it. It's the infrastructure exists with the exception of, you know, Josephine. It's difficult to cross into a lot of Orange Mound. Uh, You've got to go under or over. Those are the only choices. And over is very expensive, as we're well aware with U of M and how long it took them to put together funding and, and really visualize and create their walking bridge over those tracks. That was, you know, a long time in the making, too. And so I think Orange Mountain is going to be a particular uh, challenge connectivity wise, you know, safe connectivity, not just being connected, but safely connected. But that said, you know, Orange Mountain has also found a way to get to the Coliseum and to other places on the fairgrounds safely for decades, you know, Orange Mound, I believe you and I, I don't recall who it was we were talking to, but you and I having a conversation with someone talking about how Orange Mound residents really uh, loved the wrestling at the Coliseum and would go to wrestling at the Coliseum. So, I mean, where there will be a challenge, if there are things there to attract people from the neighborhood if there's a you know if you build it they will come right so if the amenities serve the neighborhoods people will find a way to get there now that said yeah it's, it's going to be a challenge but it is a challenge worth uh worth investing in right those neighborhoods do need to be served and i don't think that just and i think people get confused when we talk about a tourist development zone tourism development zone that that means it will only serve tourists and that is simply not true when it comes to liberty park or any tdz it also serves the community and memphians 
For sure. And I was, um, yeah, you were talking about a show a couple months ago about the Mid-South Coliseum. And I had on one of the guests was Angela Barksdale. And she talked about the long history slash relationship between Orange Mound and the Coliseum and talked about, you know, coming over, people in Orange Mound coming over for the for the wrestling. That's what you're thinking yes. about. But I was that is I, Angela, thank you. But I was I agree with you, but I was I and and going back to the, you know, crossing the railroad tracks, I guess I was really thinking about foot traffic and um you know, bicycle traffic for people that ride bikes because because it's again you've got these very busy streets and so if you're physically like um you know I, I think you know I probably mentioned it on the show I live very close to Overton Park I live lucky enough privileged enough to live just a couple blocks from Overton Park and I go there regularly. And I would never would would not ever drive there because it's just I'd be embarrassed. It's too close. But I have to cross Poplar and on foot. And they have in the last several years improved that intersection from a pedestrian perspective. There's better walk lights and now you can't turn right on red and every so it's better, but it is still scary. There have yeah. been many, many times that I have thought I was going to get hit by a car at that intersection. And of course, this is just about me, but I'm saying writ large with these big regional parks, Shelby Farms, Overton, um, how do you, um, that's a big part of building in the connectivity is just making it safer and more comfortable for people to come in without their cars. Absolutely. Multimodal, multimodal, right? Uh, That transportation need and safety physical infrastructure for safety. Yes. And when I was talking about crossing the tracks, I meant walking and biking. Uh, You know, it's dangerous as a pedestrian to try to get under that tunnel at Josephine, Um, you know, and it's dangerous to try to walk on across East Parkway. And so, yeah, multimodal transportation. And I think when we say that we, we are very creative people. Memphians are creative people. And I think that we could, brainstorm a lot of different options, uh, like maybe improving our public transportation, our busing transportation, that alone would get more Memphians into the center city and into Liberty Park if our busing, uh, if our MATA system supported it, or if there were specialty buses that were specific to Liberty Park events that get, went into surrounding neighborhoods, you know, we, we know shuttles. If it's, re- if it's really successful, maybe there will be. That's actually yep. a great segue to another thing I wanted to ask you about. Like I had, and I've att- attended a number of those public meetings. I'm sure this was talked about, but I really didn't understand how big this youth sports sector really was. Um, and that Memphis is, you know, there's no place to have basketball tournaments and there's, that were huge in volleyball. Like I just didn't, that was, of course I don't have children. So that's just not on my radar screen as far as how big, uh, how big a business it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, I, I love the fact that, that Liberty Park will have the ability to serve these changing needs of the community, right? It's done it throughout its history. It's going to continue to do it here. And yeah, I mean, historically we're a basketball town. Everyone knows we're a basketball town. It's in our it's in our blood, right? But not just volleyball 
and basketball, but also soccer is another big one. There are a ton of kids, especially as Memphis becomes more internationally diverse, that play soccer. Um, and so I just think, uh, you know, in general, being able to serve a wide breadth of sports also enables the facility to serve a wide breadth of Memphians and others, tourists and others who would come to play uh, to play here. You know, so I love the um, the adaptability of this space, those rooms that can be changed up and altered for whatever sport, you know, and I think that it also lends a lot of, and I'll talk a minute for about girls sports in particular. I think it lends a lot of, um, it, it lends weight to a sport when it's played in a nice facility, when it's played in a fancy place, you know, when it's played and when girls sports are played in the same place that traditionally boys sports yep. uh, are Amen played. Amen to that. Yeah. And so when you've got a building that can kind of accommodate what are traditionally or, or largely girls sports, like maybe cheer, uh, which is absolutely an athletic sport. Oh, that's hard. So something like cheer can be played in the same amazing facility that, you know, a level boys basketball can be played. Then it lends a lot of um, credibility. Right. And I think that's important. So it levels in terms of diversity. We have to think of that diversity, too, in sports, right? Levels that playing field a little bit in a literal sense, the actual field building in which they're playing in, right? Yeah, that's an excellent point, um, that it will be equally great facilities for boys sports and girls sports. That's an important point. We Even now we've seen so much articles about disparity between locker room quality and practice facilities, even at the professional level between men and women's sports. So I'm happy. So the last thing really is that um, I just think it's really cool that we are building this, you know, tourism and sports generator right in the heart of the city. You know, it would have been easy. And I felt the same way back in the day when AutoZone Park was put downtown would have been easy to put to make the same big investment and put it all the way out in the um you know where there's a lot of land would have been cheaper but you know like mike rose i mean that's a wonderful soccer facility but you and i have had friends who you know you have to pack a lunch to get out there and if your child plays soccer a lot there's a lot of back and forth well, we're bringing people into the heart of the city. They'll be able to patronize restaurants and hotels. And I just think it's going to be, it's a great choice of a location. And I'm always looking for things that are going to, like I said, be economic drivers and important amenities that are coming into the heart of the city and not just building on the fringes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, there's that important point about the TDZ, about that the development zone, is that it extends within a three-mile radius of what will be Liberty Park, the actual campus, right? And so three miles in Memphis would get you a pretty decent ways away. And we're so we're talking about potential reinvestment into, um, you know, coming from a large swath. And it is touched and impacted by it. Right. And so, yeah, it's a great location. It's been a great location for years. Obviously so much has been done there that clearly shows it's a valuable piece of property, but also 
valuable in terms of our culture, who we are as a city. So many people have fond memories of that space from a lot of different things, all the way from, you know, I'm sure people remembering it way back before it was even Liberty Land through to now and today with roller derby at the Pipkin building or with, um, you know, Frisbee golf. There's like, well, Frisbee, I guess that's what they're called. I'm not familiar with that sport. I think it's, called, I think it's called disc golf. Disc golf. Yes. Is that, is that going to stay? I don't know. I wonder, you know, I don't see people out there using it very often, but every once in a while. So I'm not sure. Uh, it's funny. We talk about the having been a racetrack at one point because what is now the disc golf area when I was a kid was that at Liberty land was the little race, the little car track that was on an auto car track thing. And you drove around in the little car that was on a rail. Go-karts. They weren't go-karts. They were for little kids and they were on a rail so that you couldn't actually drive them off the rail. But you know, you thought you were driving a car. It was very exciting stuff. Anyway, so yeah, like people have a million fond memories of this place, right? And so I'm glad that it's going to, yes, I agree with you. I'm, a, I'm glad that it will continue to be an influencer of culture and influenced by our culture. I'm glad that it's going to, uh, I do think it's going to bring a lot of investment uh, dollars and a lot of money and time and energy and new fond memories made in the core of the city, right? Um, and also that perception of crime and safety it shifts as people begin to use it more. And again, right. There are still people who think that the Liberty land or that the fairgrounds, what will be Liberty park um, is an unsafe place to be in Memphis. Well, you can't really shift that perception until you get people back down there seeing it uh, and experiencing it for themselves and making their own new connections with it. Yep. I think it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Okay. Well, thanks for your commentary, Cole. Um, you've been listening in Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM at Crosstown. And I've been talking to Cole Bradley, one of our regular commentators. We were talking about the new Liberty Park development that's going in on what was formerly the Mid-South Fairgrounds. So thanks, Cole. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.